listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today in the studio we have Peter Watts. What a fine day it is today, Peter. It is fabulous out there, Jason. Beautiful and, day. Uh, we're starting to see the sunshine. We're starting to see longer days, which is nice. Yep. Uh, down in winter, uh, we have short days in Tassie <laughs> down here, so it's nice it was a bit to cool, see. Bit cool this morning, but I've got to say it's it was beautiful. Cool, beautiful it's, as it's warming it's up. It's going to be a nice day. So, so Peter, what have you been up to this week? Oh well, yes. Um, well, last Saturday I was uh, actually it was at a church service, and one of the things they were reminding us of that uh, last Saturday was the twentieth anniversary yeah. of the September eleven terrorist attacks on America. And of course, many people will have seen memorials, and there have been a lot of documentaries out over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, the last week uh, about that event, of course. And um, I actually went up the, the World Trade Center in nineteen ninety one, ten years before oh. that, uh, and got to be, to peer out of the window there at the top of the World Trade Center and uh, a time when I went to New York. But uh, obviously a very tragic event, a world-changing event. Mm. And um, I think, you know, it resulted in a lot of people got fearful after that event. They were, I mean, terrorism is, it feeds on fear. Mm. And um, people were concerned about where, where you know, the world was headed and and so forth, and they started to think about God, and and you know churches churches were packed that weekend after the nine eleven wow. uh, in the states. You know mm. people went back to church. They needed they recognised their need of God, and I think similarly in the pandemic. You know in our circumstance, we've had a year and a half of pandemic now. People again have said, "Wow, this has changed the world." Mm. Um, you know. How do we approach the future? Should we, you know, we're fearful of what might happen next. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, and of course, that's our program, our series uh, today is searching, searching for certainty. certainty. That's it. And so, um, and I think that the reason why I think that this is so important is that when we understand God and we understand the message of the Bible, His Word, uh, it it takes away that fear, and uh, we actually, um, you know, have some uh, verses in Scripture. It says that you know, perfect love casts out fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of, of power. Sorry, of power and of of uh, love and understanding and so forth, and I think that uh, God God wants us to live without fear mm. of of the things that are happening in the world, knowing and trusting that He will bring about a uh, a resolution to all things. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Awesome. Now, just uh, reminding our listeners, we have our Tassie Encounters show number. That's a text number that you can num- uh, text us in, 0488-880-891. Just write that down somewhere, 0488-880-891. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got any comments or thoughts or feedback, we may have a question or two. And certainly later in the program, we will have a free offer today. Uh, it's not a, a big book today it's just a, a small uh what would you call magazine it? magazine style uh giveaway today but it's a it's a great little one so you want to grab that send and uh, we'll give you the code later in the program so uh, this week peter did, did you want to uh, talk about where we came from last week before we get into yes. this week well we should just touch on it at least last week we looked at life after death we discovered the very surprising uh truth that the bible tells us that when we die we don't go to heaven, we don't go to hell, we actually go to sleep. 
um, that that the dead are asleep, awaiting the resurrection at the last day when Jesus will appear. And that's a surprising truth to many because there are, of course, so many different views about what happens when you die. So that's what we talked about last week. And and this week is the good news about hell, which seems like a contradiction. Seems like an oxymoron. <laughs> it does. It? That's right. It's like, how can there ever be any good news about hell? Well, stick with us today um, because we're going to look at a lot of things, but I would encourage people to hang in there till the end mm. because then we'll we'll talk about what is the good news about hell mm. and uh, how does this fit in with what we learned last week about the, the dead being asleep and so forth. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get into it. Did you know, Jason, did you know that you can actually travel to hell today? Yeah, so th- there's a place. There there's is a, a real place. place called hell. It's actually a who, town. Who would name the place You've got hell. to ask. You've got to, <laughs> You've got to ask actually heard, I think somebody told me that there's a place in Norway called hell as well. And it may possibly be that that was carried over from Norway because I know that there's a lot of Scandinavians that moved into that northern part of America um, Okay, because uh, I've got friends in Minnesota and they follow the Vikings um, football club um, and they uh, they got that because of the Scandinavian influence in Minnesota. It hasn't come from another language or something and means something else. I'm really not sure <laughs> but I do know that there's a place called Hell, H-E-L-L in Michigan in mm. the United States and you can go there and uh, of course you can take the highway to Hell <laughs> Um, which people may have heard of. And, of course, because it's in Michigan, when it's winter time, it really gets cold. So hell freezes over. Yeah. And people might have heard that phrase before. But I was also thinking, you know, there are about a 1,000 people, I think, live in this town. And you could imagine, you know, I married the girl from hell. Or the man from hell. Or probably more <laughs> likely the man from hell. And uh, you could do a lot of playing around with that. But there is actually a little place. But, of course, what we're talking about today, when we're talking about the good news about hell, we want to know what the Bible says about this because this topic has caused more people to turn away from God and away from the Bible than perhaps any other topic. The idea that God, and this is the popular idea, right? This was Mm. the popular idea that I understood as a non-Christian, as a secular person. The popular idea I was very aware of was that if you don't get along with God, if you don't love God, if you're not saved, then he's going to burn you forever and ever mm. in torment for all eternity. Mm. That's the popular notion of what hell is all about, and we want to have a look at that. So when we talk about hell, there are kind of two extremes that people go to on this subject. Number one is the eternal torment yeah. that is so popular. And because that's so abhorrent to most people's notion of justice, they rush to the other aspect and say, well, if God exists, there must be universal salvation and that all these threats of hell are actually just threats in order to get us into line and to, you know, come on board with God and that actually everybody's going to be saved in the so, end. So it doesn't really matter what hell is like because no one's going to end up there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, some people, so those are the two extremes, if you like, eternal torment or universal salvation. And I'd like to suggest that when you read the scriptures, Neither of those two conclusions is true. Is there another position that makes sense of the material and actually makes sense of the justice of God and the mercy of God? Mm. And we want to talk a little bit about that. Second uh, Peter 3.9 uh, tells us this. It says, The Lord is not willing 
that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm. That's the first starting point. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that anybody should perish. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. He wants people to be saved. That's why Jesus came into the world. So that's an important starting point, because what is God's motivation here? God wants people to be saved and not lost. We're going to look at the... uh, the subject of hell today and we're going to try to answer these four questions and these four questions are when is hell when does it take place where is hell what is hell and how long does it last Mm. those four questions we're going to attempt to answer in the next hour so we hope our listeners will stay tuned Let's get into the first one. Uh, when is hell? There's a parable that we have talked about a little bit before, and we talked about this when we went, um, why so much suffering? And we talked about this parable. It's in Matthew 13, uh, verses 24 to 30. We read this parable called the wheat and the tares. And essentially, Jesus said, the man went out to sow seed in his field, and uh, and then overnight, while they slept, somebody came in and sowed weeds or tares, And uh, then they start to grow. And his servants say, hang on, didn't you sow good seed in your field? How come the tares are are growing? And he said, an enemy has done this. And uh, and then he unpacks it all. And he says, he who, this is uh, Matthew 13, 37 to 40. I might get you to read that, Jason. It says, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. All right. So it's that final sentence there that really gives us a bit of a clue where we're asking the question, when is hell? When does it take place? Is hell burning now? And this is significant because some people are thinking to themselves, you know, I might have a son or a daughter who didn't care about the Lord, has uh, forsaken the Lord, and maybe they died tragically. Mm. Uh, and they're wondering, you know, people are wondering, is my, my son or my daughter burning in hell today? And the clear answer from Scripture is no, no. Um, that there is nothing burning at the moment in terms of uh, hellfire. It says, therefore, uh, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. And he's talking there about the end of the world. Mm. That's when Jesus returns, and we, we'll talk more about those details. So there's nothing burning now. If we look at Matthew sixteen twenty-seven, Jesus is talking. He says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So those rewards are given out at the second coming, which means nobody's burning in hell today. And that makes sense from the perspective that we talked about last week, which was that death is asleep and people are sleeping peacefully in the grave. We also mentioned last week, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, not eternal Eternal. torment. Mm. And that's very significant because if we think of it from the perspective of Jesus, did Jesus pay the price on the cross for our sins? He died. If the wages of sin is death, he died. Mm. He paid the price. But if the wages of sin is eternal torment, Jesus did not pay the price because he's not suffering eternally in torment today. Mm. So I think that's significant. Now, uh, we're due to go to a break, Peter, so we'll, we'll probably do that. And after the break, we might uh, pose a, a question to our listeners. So we're going to go to this first song. It's called When the Saints by Sarah Groves. When the saints are 
is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And uh, this morning we're talking to Peter Watts on the topic of the good news about hell. Now, before the we went to the break, I, I said we'd have a question for you, which we do now, and uh, it really is talking about what is your picture of God? How do you see God? How would you describe God's character? And it's relevant to our discussion today because uh, this uh, idea about hell really 
can affect our image of God. Mm, so definitely. what is your picture of God? How would you describe God's character? Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Now, Peter, we had uh, four questions you mentioned earlier. When is hell? Where is mm. hell? What is it? And how long is it? Uh, and as we keep going, I hope we, uh, we, we've, we, we've found out the answer to the first we question, haven't we? And we're we? still actually when? going to answer that first question, when is the hell? So, okay. so if we look at uh, Jude, chapter 1, verse 7, there's only one chapter in Jude, but it actually talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. And people may uh, remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah from the book of Genesis. But it says, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in, in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as a, an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And the, the point we want to bring out in this particular passage is it says suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The question is, is the fire still burning in Sodom and Gomorrah today? Mm. We have another passage in Second Peter, very similar, um, and uh, you'll find that in Second Peter two six. We won't read that one out, but uh, again, it's just talking about the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, and it says about eternal fire. Well, what does that mean? Well, it can't mean that the fire's burning eternally because it's not burning today. In fact, um, I two years ago in twenty nineteen, I went to the country of Jordan. Um, on a research tour, and we went to a place called Tel El Hammam, where Dr. Stephen Collins, an uh, archaeologist, has been working there for more than 15 years, digging at Tel El Hammam in Jordan, which is just north of the Dead Sea, and he believes that they have discovered the uh, ruins of Sodom. Right. Uh, and so they've been digging there. So um, you can actually check this out on YouTube sometime. And, and I can't see any, any fire on there's your no picture fire. here. That's right. <laughs> We've got a picture of it here. Yeah. And there's no fire burning today. So uh, the point is what's eternal is the uh, the judgment of that fire. The consequences. The consequences yeah. of that fire. So uh, the, the consequences are eternal, but the fire is not. Mm. And that is very important to, to note. We're going to move on to, to Malachi now. We want to see what else it says about the fire at the end of the world. And it says in Malachi 4.1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day will become, the day which is coming shall burn them up says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. So it tells us here that it's going to burn them up. It's not going to be continually burning. Uh, again, in three, verse 3 of Malachi 4, it says, uh, you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In other words, they're going to become ashes. This fire, you see, you'd have to do something supernatural to burn something and keep it alive while you were burning it. Mm. Because it's going, you know, if you burn something, it's going to die. Um, And so this notion that God would keep things alive in order to burn them for all eternity actually comes from Greek mythology. Um, And again, we talked about this last week in terms of the the idea of the immortal soul coming Mm -hmm. into Christianity through Greek mythology. And uh, the biblical notion is uh, that, yes, sin will come to an end, but... The fire is not eternal. Mm. The results are eternal. Um, you know, another verse says that the, the into smoke they will vanish away. That's in Psalm 37. Uh, in Obadiah it talks about they will be as they had never been. Um, let me read a verse. I'll get you to read a verse, actually. Matthew 25, 45. Or no, 46. Matthew 25, 46. 
It says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, people read that and say, everlasting punishment. Mm. That sounds like it's everlasting to me. Mm. But it is the punishment that is everlasting, not the punishing. Mm. And that's important to understand. And when we understand that, we start to understand the, this subject a little better. There's going to be uh, something at the very end of this presentation that will make it a little more clear why all of this is happening, and we, we want to get to that. But so, sometimes, go on. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking about So this eternal or the everlasting doesn't really necessarily mean literally the way we understand forever. Right. I mean, we don't even understand sure. forever anyway because we, we have a limited life. That's right. We're and, very limited, aren't we, in yeah. terms of our scope. But uh, this is true. This idea of forever, uh, we need to understand that as well because uh, we even use the term in our uh, vernacular. Uh, we might say, look, I ordered that pizza an hour ago. It's taking forever to get here. Mm. You know, or I was waiting for the bus for two whole hours. I was there forever. And we don't literally mean it forever. We don't mean it forever, <laughs> but we know what we we know why we use the word. Mm. It okay, means a long time. In, well, it does in the context of that thing. Yes. You know, when we're talking about waiting for a pizza for an hour, an hour is not really a long time in the, not the really. scope of eternity. No. But when you're waiting for a pizza, it can seem like that. If you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In Jonah 2.6, uh, Jonah talks about his experience. He went, to, uh, he was thrown overboard into the sea and a whale, or a fish actually, a great fish was prepared by God and it, it swallowed him and he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. He says here... In Jonah 2.6, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Mm. And then his next sentence says, yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So he, first he's saying it happened forever. And then he's, the next line he's saying that God brought him out of it. And so that event took three three days. And, of course, it probably felt like a lot longer. We see a similar situation where Hannah uh, it's talking about the, the the child that she's given birth to, Samuel, that she will give him to the Lord forever, that he might be a peer. But then she says, for as long as he lives. And mm. so we need to understand that. I'm going to uh, read a um, a quote here from Edward Fudge. He was a, uh, a minister, a theologian uh, for a Christian church. And in his book, The Fire That Consumes, he says the word Aeonos in Greek means forever, but within the limits of the possibility inherent in the person or thing itself. Mm -hmm. So what he means by that is that God, for instance, can be described as forever because he actually is eternal. But other things might be described as forever, but they're only for so long as they last. And that's important for us to understand. Just just got a, a, a an analogy there, I guess, Peter, that you know, when when somebody does something really bad and they get sentenced to jail yeah. for life. Yeah. Ultimately that doesn't mean forever. No. But it is there forever in yes. terms of until they no longer live. Very good point. It's sort of a, a similar thing, isn't it? Yeah. In, in the context of until that person is uh, no longer here. Is no longer. That's true. Mm. The, one of the other things that struck me, when I first found this out, Jason, you've got to uh, uh, understand that because I was an atheist and I came from a secular background and I started to learn things about the Bible, and when I learned about this, this was such a relief to understand that God is not the person his enemies have made him out to be, mm. in, in that God is not a tyrant who burns people forever and ever throughout all eternity. Mm. Uh, that that picture is abhorrent. It's uh, 
it's not an accurate picture mm. biblically. And it just made a huge difference to my understanding of who God was. If you look at John 3.16 where Jesus is talking, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In that verse alone, you've got the two options. We will either perish or we'll have everlasting life. Mm. We don't have everlasting life with God or everlasting life in hell. And I think that's important to note. So we will either perish or we have everlasting life. And for me, I'd rather have everlasting life. Mm. Amen. Uh, so have we got more before we go to the break? We've got yeah, we do. Minute. Yeah, we've got a few more <laughs> things to say. So Jesus would rather go through hell for you than live eternally without you. You see, what happened on the cross was that Jesus effectively went through hell for us mm. in the sense that Jesus was separated from the Father. When he died on the cross, he was separated from his, his Father. In fact, he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus was forsaken as he paid the price for our sins uh, so that we don't have to pay the price for our sins. He's paid that price for us that we could be saved. And he was separated from the Father for the first time in all eternity in order that we might be saved. So he would rather go through hell for you than live in heaven without you. Mm. And I think that's important for us to understand. Hell we think about as the fire, and certainly there will be a fire at the end of time, but ultimately it's about separation from God. Mm. And we've discussed this before. Separation from God means separation from the ultimate source of life in the universe, and once you separate yourself from life, death will be the ultimate result. Mm. We will perish. Mm. We need to be connected to that power source. Mm. Um, you know, I was thinking about... In the ancient, in ancient Israel at the time of Moses, they had this sanctuary model that God told them to build. And there was an altar of burnt offering where they would sacrifice the lamb and he would burn, be burned in the flames. Those flames represents God's judgment against sin, which the lamb, Jesus, has taken for us. So he took the judgments of God against sin for us so that we don't receive those, which mm. I think is a marvelous thing. We're going to go to a break, but uh, remember that question, what is your picture of God? How would you describe God's character? Text us in on 0488880891. And uh, our book offer today, The Surprising Truth About Hell, will give you a bit more information in our next episode. Now, there's something really interesting coming up about the word and the meaning of hell, mm. and uh, stay tuned for that. We'll have a listen to that. But this song, uh, as, we, uh, as we take a break now, this is Saving Grace by Josh Cunningham. <laughs> Can I be forgiven? Guess I owe you some kind of apology. I've escaped that so many times. I know I'm only living by the saving grace that's over me. This time I'd have thought I would be sleeping In a pine box 
all eternity yeah. Well my faith keeps me alive But I still be weeping But for the saving grace That's over me The death of life Then comes the resurrection Wherever I am welcome Is where I'll be I put all my confidence in him My soul protection Is the saving grace That's over me Shining light, it can be most blinding. To search for love, it ain't no more than vanity. And as I look around this world, all that I'm finding is the saving grace that's over me. Well, the wicked know no peace And you just can't fake it There's only one road And it leads to Calvary It gets discouraging at times But I know I'll make it By the saving grace That's over me It's Josh Cunningham with Saving Grace. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're here with Peter Watts. Now, Peter, I've actually been to paradise. We've been talking about hell, but I've actually been to paradise. And do you know that, nice. that there's a place in Tasmania called paradise, and I've been there. I need to visit that place. I haven't been there yet, but it's on my shopping list. We, we were talking earlier about a place in the USA uh, called hell, but you've been to another place called hell well that's right actually in the bible that one of the places that is described as hell in the bible i have actually visited and it's not in the united states um if you go to mark 9 43 and 44 uh, jesus is talking and he says these words and uh this is this is another passage where people get a notion of hell and it says if your hand causes you to sin cut it off it is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than going to two going rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched and people say well see there that the worm doesn't die the fire is not quenched they're going to hell 
what is this really all about? And people may be surprised to understand that um, the word there that we translate as hell is actually a play. It's it's Gehenna, which is referring to an actual location geographically. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Valley of Hinnom. And if uh, people go to Jerusalem today, the south uh, end of Jerusalem, uh, outside the walls, there's a valley there. It's actually a green valley now. Uh, there is grass there. It's and very lush, and I can, I can see a picture of you standing there. There's a in picture there. of me standing there. You know, one year we went there, and there were people having a picnic there, and so there's a family having a picnic in hell. Oh, yeah. uh, and there's me. So what is this all about? Why do we translate that word hell? Essentially, it was the place, place of destruction. Mm. Uh, this was the local rubbish dump for the city of Jerusalem, and they used to throw their garbage down into that valley, and sometimes there'd be animal carcasses, which would explain the phrase, the worm dies not. In other words, there was worms moving in and out of these animal carcasses, having a feast, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, they would have a continual fire burning down there. It was like an incinerator, Mm. and they would be burning up the, the city garbage. So that was really what it was about, and so we, you know, get this phrase, um you know, to be cast into hell where the fire shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The idea of not being quenched simply means you don't put it out. Mm. And it wouldn't be put out because they just keep putting the garbage down there and and off it would go. There's another passage about unquenchable fire in Jeremiah 17. And in Revel- uh, sorry, Jeremiah seventeen twenty seven. Maybe you can read that, Jason. It says, but if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. All right. So here again, God is saying, a fire will be kindled in the gates of Jerusalem, and it will not be quenched. Well, you can go to Jerusalem today, and there is no fire in the gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has gone out. And what it really means is when it says it will not be quenched, it means man can't put it out. Mm. Okay, so if a, a judgment of God is going to fall, there's nothing man can do to repel that. Okay, but the fire, when it burns out, it burns out. Mm. Um, so to quench something is to actively try to put it out. And so uh, that's what it means when it talks about unquenchable fire. Um, John Stott he is an Anglican theologian, and he actually agrees with this notion. He he said uh, in uh, this is a quote from one of his works. It says, "As a committed evangelical, my question must be and is not what my does my heart tell me, but what does God's word say?" That's a very good question, right? Yeah. What does God's word say? This is the point we're trying to make, Jason. Is let's go back to the Bible and find out what it says. Mm. And so that's what he's doing. And he says, in order to answer this question, we need to survey the biblical material afresh. That is, without our preconceived ideas, without the myths and legends that we've tacked onto the Bible over the centuries, we need to understand the material afresh and to open our minds, not just our hearts, to the possibility that the Scripture points to in the direction of annihilation. That means that when God puts an end to the wicked, they will be finally ended and that will be that. Um, and he says that the doctrine of eternal conscious torture has to yield to the supreme authority of Scripture. Mm. It cannot, I think, be replied that it is impossible to destroy human beings because they are immortal, for the immortality and therefore the indestructibility of the soul is a Greek 
not a biblical concept. And this ties into what we said last week about what happens when we die, and it ties into this week as well in regards to the truth about hell and what we're going to discover in terms of the good news about hell. Mm, I was going to say that. This is some good news. It really It doesn't is. go on forever. Correct, exactly. And again, we come back to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, mm. not eternal torment. And here's a good question for people who may, um, ha, you know, like me, may have had that understanding of, well, hell is an eternally you know, burning torment. Um, if it wasn't forever, would you be disappointed? In other words, somebody uh, told me the story of a pastor that had gone to visit a couple who belonged to a community of faith that did believe in eternally burning torment. And he was sharing these things from the Bible. And uh, he was trying to think of an illustration. And he said to, to the man about his wife and said, you know, if your wife, let's suppose for a minute your wife was lost um, if the fire was not eternal, would you be disappointed? And the husband said, yes. And then you should see, his, you should have seen his wife's face at that point. It's, One would well, assume he was joking. Well, you would hope. <laughs> but here's the thing. Why would we want to hang on to a belief in an eternally burning, fiery torment if that's not, in fact, what the Bible says? Mm. Why do we want to hang on to that? Mm. If the Bible evidence doesn't point there, we don't have we don't have that concept in our society that as we live, you know, justice has a time limit, a time That's frame. Right. Yeah, you know, prison sentences have time limits on them, yeah. and uh, even even the life sentence has a time limit. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. And I I think if, from the perspective of justice, because it just seems so unjust, mm. right? To talk like let's suppose I'm 25. And I'm in rebellion against God. I have no time for God. I'm going to be lost. I, I have a tragic accident and I die. So for 25 years of rebellion, God is going to torment me for all eternity. Uh, that does not make sense. It doesn't equate to us. It doesn't, it doesn't seem just. It doesn't seem just. It, mm. Well, it's not just. Mm. You know, we would say, how is that possible? Mm. And so it's very refreshing to me as a person who came to the Bible afresh to learn these things and say, wow, that makes a lot more sense than the typical view. Mm. In Ezekiel 18.23, here's a, a passage that I want you to read, Jason, and there's a, a verse that goes with it in verse 32 as well. Yeah, so it says, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? And then in verse 32, it says, For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. This answers that question, that listener question. Right. You know, what is the question? What is the character of God? Exactly. He, He does not want us. Uh, to die. Exactly. He doesn't want us to goes uh, back to, to our first verse we shared, which is God is not willing that any should perish. Mm. Right? God has no... Some people have this view of God that he, he kind of likes to, to torture. You, you ever seen a cat with a mouse? Yes. Sometimes they play yeah, with them and torture mean. them. Very mean. You know, bef- <laughs> you know uh, it seems like it's half the time because they're not hungry most of the time. It's just for their pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so terrible. the Bible says God takes no pleasure in the death mm. of the wicked. What he wants is us to come home. Mm. He wants us to come home. Uh, in Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I love that word abundantly. Mm. He doesn't just say he'll pardon. 
It says he will abundantly pardon. And so it, this is what God wants us. He wants to bring us all home. You know, there's a passage in um, Revelation 21 verse 4, right at the end, when it's all over and hell, you know, hellfire is done with and so forth. It says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. If a burning, fiery hell was continuing to burn for eternity, there'd certainly be pain, there'd certainly be crying, there'd certainly be sorrow. And so God is saying these things have come to an end. They've come to an end, yeah. Amen. We need to go to a break. Uh, just before we do, the book offer will give you a bit more information. Well, it's not a book offer. It's a uh, magazine offer. The Surprising Truth About Hell, Truth Matters, and it's by Signs of the Times. It's a special signs issue in the Truth Matters series. It looks at the subject of hell and God. Does the end have an end? The God of Hell, what the Bible says about the millennium and what the Bible says about hell. It can be used for Bible study interests or for new believers or pastors or evangelistic meetings, whatever you want. And it's a fantastic little uh, booklet to get some really good information and uh, I guess uh, some of those Bible references and texts that we've talked about today. So after the break, we will give you the code for that. Here's uh, White as Snow by Rivers and Robots.
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. Now we're in our last uh, section with Peter this morning talking about the good news about hell. And uh, we just got to a point which was a, uh, I think, a, a milestone, a, a fantastic point where uh, you were talking about how God says it right at the end of the Bible that there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. And therefore, hell itself has to come to an end. Yeah, <laughs> Hell will be over. Hell will be over. So you can't be eternally burning torment. And let's talk about this. So we're going to look at now, uh, uh, we're going to actually look at when hell is, which is at the end of the world. Um, in fact, it's at the end of the millennium, in fact, when it takes place. Now, I've just remembered I forgot to yes. give the code. Go do that. I better give the code. Search number 20, search 20, no spaces, is the code for our giveaway, The Surprising Truth About Hell. It's a little magazine. Uh, I encourage you to text us in on 0488880891. That's search, the word search, and the number 20. Two zero, no spaces. Text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Back to me. Back to you, Peter. Okay. So I was talking about the that hell actually takes place after the end of the millennium, and people say, "Well, what about the millennium?" Next week we're going to talk all about the millennium. So uh, we hope people will tune in for that. Um, we, we'll talk about the details of that. But when take, hell takes place, it says fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. This is Revelation 20, verse 9 and 10. And it goes on in verse 14 and 15. And this is the second death. Okay. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so what is all this business about fire? We want to get to... uh, a topic here that and, and a, a piece of information in the Bible that to me was very dramatic in understanding this. The Bible says Old Testament and New Testament. We find it in Hebrews twelve twenty eight to twenty nine. It says, "Our God is a consuming fire," and we find that hard to understand. But the reality is, because we are contaminated with sin, it's like we've been doused with petrol. And God, by his very nature, the glory of God is like a consuming fire. And therefore, you know, we might wonder, why doesn't God just come down here and give us all a hug? Mm. If God was in the room here with you and I, Jason, and we haven't had our sins dealt with, then we'd just go up in flames Mm. because God is a consuming fire. And in the presence of God, we would not uh, survive. So, for instance, I say it like this. Darkness, as darkness cannot remain in the presence of light, so sin cannot remain in the presence of God. And that's why it says our God is a consuming fire. And so when God finally reveals himself in all his unbridled, unveiled glory, 
then anything that's not covered by his righteousness is going to go up in flames. Mm. Um, and that that's why God is saying to us, let me deal with your sins, mm. because I want to come back. I want to be reunited with you. I want to live together with you and you with me. But until I deal with your sin problem, that can't happen. And that's why God is calling us to re- repent and receive him. And the Bible talks about we put on Christ. We put on this robe of righteousness like a fireproof coat that enables us to stand in the presence of God. And uh, we see this. There's an interesting passage in Isaiah 33, verse 14 and 15. I want you to read that, Jason. The sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Those who walk righteously and speak what is right. So this is a fascinating one because it says, who of us can dwell with the everlasting burning? Mm. So there is an everlasting burning, but what's that? That's God. That is God, yeah. And it says, those who walk righteously and speak what is right. So the righteous will dwell with God in everlasting burnings. And you know what struck me, Jason, is it's not the wicked who will burn forever, but the righteous will burn forever because they will be on fire for God. Mm-hmm. as it were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In fact, in Daniel chapter 12, it says, the righteous will shine like the stars. Well, what is the stars? They're a ball of fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? In other words, this is what it's trying to say, that the, we will be bathed in the glory of God and we will um, be able to dwell with him. But as far as sin is concerned, our God is, an, an ever, you know, our God is a consuming fire. You're thinking about this, If you think about the love story that God has with his people, God wants us to be in harmony with him. There's this picture of God as the the husband and uh, his people as the bride. Mm. And if you think about it, he has a heart full of fiery passion for his bride. You know, we we talk about um, uh, being on fire as in being enthusiastic. Mm. Right, and this is really what what um, we're trying to to glean out of this: that our God is a consuming fire, and all that is bad will get burned up, but all that is good will be embraced by Him. So I those sh- those four questions that we asked earlier, and I'm just wanting you to sum up those: when is hell? Where yes. is hell? What is hell? How long does yeah. it last? I think we've answered them, but do you we want have. to just summarize let's, that? Let's summarize. So. When is hell? We found out that hell is at the end of time. It's not burning now. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's going to be at the end of time. Where is hell? It's here on earth. This earth is going to be burned up before God creates a new heaven and a new earth and makes it new again. What is hell? Well, hell is the end of sin and sinners. It's when the rebellion finally comes to an end. And then how long does it last until its work is done? The lost will perish but the righteous will have everlasting life. And we talked about, you know, we've told, called this uh, message good news about hell. What is the good news about hell? There are three things, I think, that I can think of, and there are probably others. But number one, Jesus experienced hell. That is separation from God. Jesus experienced hell so that you and I could experience heaven. That's one aspect of good news. Number two, God will not torment anyone forever that is a myth it's a lie of the devil it came in through pagan um, greek philosophy and then finally sin suffering and satan will come to an end that's good news and those are the three good things about hell the good news about hell that 
sin, suffering and Satan will come to an end. There will be peace and harmony eventually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Peter, I've, I've heard uh, the concept that if somebody didn't want to go to heaven, mm. if they didn't believe in that and they didn't want to go to heaven, yes. then actually ending up in heaven would be like hell for them. <laughs> that is an absolutely perfect uh, notion. The fact that if you don't want to spend five minutes with God today, mm. he won't spend, he won't force you to spend eternity with him which would be a living hell and that would last forever and not god is not into eternal torment so really really hell is is simply this this end of of life for those who choose not to uh to have the it's the the end of everything bad Hmm. and and if we choose bad we will share its fate so god is going to destroy uh sin and sinners but if we cling to sin, we will share its fate. What God wants us to do is to surrender our sins to him and let him deal with them and clothe us with his robe of righteousness. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. I, I hope that's uh, cleared up um, some misunderstandings for some people. And uh, do text us in if you've got any further questions about this topic. Now, Peter, next week you've got an interesting title. I can't wait to hear what you're going to be talking about. Well, next week we're going to talk about a trip into space. And uh, we, we're going to talk about the millennium that you find in Revelation chapter 20. And maybe some of our listeners might want to think, well, I'm going to read that chapter ahead. You know, I'm going to read that and see what it says. And we're going to take a look at that topic, a trip into so space. Revelation. Revelation 20. 20. The thousand years called the millennium. We're going to look at that next week. Okay. And uh, that's, of course, next Thursday with Peter Watts. And tomorrow we've got David Maxwell. He's actually starting a new series tomorrow. He's been doing this series titled Amazing Love. But tomorrow he's starting a new series called The Coming King. And he'll be doing that with Tabitha tomorrow. And you can catch him at 9 o'clock. Or if you're listening in Tasmania, you can catch it at 4.30 p.m. as well. So just remember today's offer, The Surprising Truth About Hell, search number 20. We're going to go out today with this fantastic tune. It's a a version of the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus by Jaden Levick. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Saviour. Life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strange again In the light of His glory and Through death into life everlasting He passed and we followed there Over us in no more hath dominion For more than conquerors we are And turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, his grace and his glory, his grace. 
His word shall not fail you, He promised. Believe Him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, His perfect salvation to tell. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory. In the light of His glory.